And uh, thank you, gentlemen. And uh, and so uh, we need to pray for Taylor. We're thankful for all those that are joining us. If uh, those that are here to see baptisms or visiting for the first time, or uh, maybe you're uh, just been checking us out for a while, we're glad that you're with us this morning. If you have your Bibles, we turn to the book of uh, John, chapter four. Once again, if you're online, we're glad that you're joining us. We're in the book of John, chapter four. We've been in a vision update. We've been talking about finishing his work. Last week we got together and I, I launched us off into that discussion of finishing, finishing his work, to be more precise. And I pray that we'll be encouraged as we prepare for the coming of Christ. You know, we know that time is short, uh, but it's so easy to get caught up in so many things uh, that we miss the main thing. And I want to pray that, that we as a church don't miss the main thing, that we're all about the business that the Lord would have us to be about until the coming of Christ. And, and that is like what we've just seen, seeing people like Taylor... Uh, trust Christ as Savior, follow the Lord in believer's baptism, uh, become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and follow Him faithfully, reproducing Christ in the lives of others. That's what we're all about, equipping the saints of God and the Word of God to accomplish the mission of God and the power of God for the glory of God. So we hear that a lot, uh, but today I want to just kind of review what we've already talked about and, and kind of focus forward. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, you can grab one from the seat rack in front of you and turn to page 1,416. Uh, that's where our text is going to be in John, the book of John, chapter 4. The, it's the fourth book in, in the New Testament, if you're not familiar with the Bible. John, chapter 4, and uh, is where we're going to be, page 1,416 in those Bibles that are in the seat rack in front of you. And so last week we focused on finishing the work, and, and you, remember, you remember how Jesus, he must needs go through Samaria. So he had business to do in Samaria. We talked about that, and, and he, he illuminated the disciples and told them, I'm here to finish his work. I got work to do, and I'm here to finish it. Now, um, we have work to do, and God wants us to finish it as well. In John 4.31, we picked up the account of Jesus' interaction with the disciples in Samaria as he revealed that he was the Messiah. Uh, and this was after the woman at the well had believed on him as Messiah, and she went back to Sychar to tell uh, all those that were, were there. And we'll pick that up uh, next week. But this morning, I want you just to kind of stand, not kind of, I'd like to ask you to stand and uh, we're going to honor God's word. We're going to read John chapter 4, verse 31. I know you were just standing, but it's okay. I got you all situated. Your Bible's open and your papers fell off your lap. Okay, so John chapter 4 and verse 31. Uh, this is the text which we picked up last week. John uh, four thirty-one. The Bible says, In the meantime, while his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? And Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye there yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto eternal life, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together." Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the word of God. We thank you for uh, this passage that you're leading us through, you're walking us through slowly to, to really focus on our vision this coming year. Lord, I pray, God, that we will be faithful to sow, uh, to shepherd, and to send uh, people wherever you ask us to send them. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity this morning to look at this uh, important spiritual work that you have for us. And Lord, I pray in the next few moments, Lord, that we would sense the urgency of taking the gospel where it needs to go on time, making disciples that make disciples, that plant churches and reach the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you'd be glorified. I thank you and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we saw last week that uh, his work is spiritual. That was something the disciples had to learn. So Jesus desires that his disciples discern uh, the physical work from the spiritual work. Right, they were all caught up in what's Jesus going to eat, you know? And he's like, "Hey, I got meat. I got the will of the Father is my business. It's more important than my necessary food." Right? So he is all about accomplishing the mission and God's power for God's glory. And he's like, "Guys, I'm going to put the meal off because I got something more important, more as we talked about last week, more satisfying." Right? There's something more satisfying than the things of this world. There's got to be more. Right, because this world will not satisfy. You know how it is. We just had Christmas. Everybody's excited, and then you know, a week or two later, it's like, oh yeah, oh. you get that new car. It's awesome, and then you know, then you got to pay for it or you got to repair it. You know, and then it's like not so awesome, right? So the things of this world just don't satisfy, but the things of the Father they do satisfy. And Jesus was tuned into that. 
So we talked about that last week in John 4, 31 through 32. And then we saw that a disciple, a disciple of Jesus Christ needs spiritual food for spiritual work. Right, the disciples were off gathering some, some grub. They're, they're getting themselves, their bodies fed. We all need to do that. God, take care of the body. But yet, you know, what they really needed was time with Jesus to learn and to see his example of going to difficult places, going places that are not comfortable and having conversations with people you would normally not talk to because God has work to do in their life and in their people group, right? God wanted to do a work in the Samaritans' lives, but none of the Jews wanted to go there. But God had a Jew, his name was Jesus, and he was willing to go there. So the disciples, they're watching Jesus' example. They're seeing Jesus do what it is that he's going to send them to do after his resurrection. And he, they're learning from him. So we left off with some practical application. Right, and I asked you last week, who are you in the story? And I, you may have forgotten last week. So let me just start where we left off. Who are you in the story? Maybe you're here this morning and, and you are the woman at the well. Right? You're the one justifying yourself to Jesus, but not really trusting Jesus. Man, if that's you this morning, you can stop that. and Jesus can, you, can, you can come to Christ just as you are. And he will take you where you are and get you where you need to go. Just like we're seeing Taylor, man. She just trusted Jesus just about a month ago, I think. And wasn't that long ago? Give me, give me some dates here. You're leaving me hanging. November, okay, a couple months ago. So a couple months ago. She trusted Christ, right? And, and you know what? Her life is, she's like, hey, I'm going public with this thing. Just like the woman at the well went back to cycle. I've got to go public with this thing. I have met Messiah. You've got to know this guy, right? He's awesome. He changes your life. And if nobody else rejoices over what happened in November, the angels did, right? And, uh, and so, man, God knows those who put their trust in him. And Jesus, he was all aware of what was going on with this woman that nobody else was probably thinking was going to lead a church movement in Sychar, right? It's definitely not going to be this lady, for sure. But you don't really know what God's doing in people's hearts, right? That's why man looks on the outward appearance and God looks at the heart. That lesson that those disciples already knew from their Old Testament Bible studies up there in Galilee, man, when they were kids, now it's being lived out in front of them as Jesus Christ is dealing with this woman and they're seeing that God is looking at the heart and uh, they would have never guessed that's where he, they didn't understand what he was doing at the well. Why is he working with this lady? I mean, that's, they were going to question him, but they were like, that's kind of weird. Jesus, Jesus knows what he's doing. Maybe you're the woman at the well. Maybe you're the, the men of the city that she's going to go talk to. Maybe you're, you need to hear the message. Uh, maybe you, you're, you're hearing from others and people are even drawing you. I know lately God's been drawing different ones uh, to God's perfect will through different relationships, right? God uses people to reach people. Maybe you're, Maybe you are the disciples learning how to follow Jesus into difficult places and, and have those difficult conversations, yet very rewarding. Or maybe you're that obedient son. Jesus Christ is the obedient son, the son of God, who's so tuned into what the Father says, you're willing to go wherever God tells you to go, and people are going to follow you even when they don't understand exactly what you're doing. Beloved, that's the kind of discipleship we need today. We need people who are following Jesus at all costs, willing to go places that nobody else is willing to go, and have people follow them, even if they don't fully understand. Why? Because God is working in people's lives as disciples. And you know what? That's how we finish the work. So we, we concluded last week talking about some things that we can do practically, and that's to grow in love. And growing in love is simply growing in obedience, because if we love Him, we keep His commandments right this growing in obedience whatever that is uh we just saw a picture not a picture we saw an example and an example of obedience uh, uh taylor took that next right step and she obeyed the lord she loved god this morning by following him in that next step now we're going to pray for her to continue in that in that mode and uh and so maybe you need to do that maybe you need to become a disciple maybe you need to get involved in discipleship maybe you need to let go of some sin before this next lord's supper don't wait till three or four weeks from now do it today Get your heart right so God can bless you, right? Maybe you need to just work on that next right thing and loving God and, and then growing in wisdom, right? Learning, learning of uh, not just things about the Bible, but learning how to actually rightly apply the Bible in your life. And by reason of use, we have our senses exercised to discern good and evil. If there's not a day in which we need to understand how to discern good from evil, I've never seen one. Beloved, this is the time to clutch that Bible not just in your head, but to let that sink down in the soil of your heart so you can have discernment between good and evil. And then the last thing that we can do, these are practical things. These were, this was your homework. How many of you did your homework this week? 
All right, I know, you just came to the end of the message. It's like, oh, yeah, let's get out of here. The Chiefs are not on. we got to get to lunch. All right, so, and then the last thing was, let's grow, right? we got to grow together. we got to go somewhere. So you aren't going to grow if you're not rooted. Some of you got to make a decision, right? Your, your, your love and obedience, your, your desire, the wisdom would be, hey, you know what? I need to get rooted. There's winds of doctrine flying all over the place. There's all kinds of storm clouds going. Get rooted, for goodness sake. Get rooted in a Bible-believing local church. If you don't like me and you don't like this church, I totally understand. I don't like me either, but I love this church. So the point is, though, but you can definitely get rooted. If not here, get somewhere. Get off the fence and get rooted and grounded in the Word of God. Get in a local New Testament church that preaches and believes the Word of God and get your roots in because, man, you'll never get through the storms of life if you're not rooted and grounded in love. And you know what? The place to learn to love people is right in the body of Christ. If you can't love the people Jesus died for, then who can you love? But Jesus didn't just die for the people at church, did he? He died for everybody. And that's what we're talking about this morning is the need to, to finish his work. I'd say there's a lot of work left to do, wouldn't you? And, and so this morning I want to speak not just on the fact that the work is spiritual. We emphasized the priority of the spiritual work last week. But as we go forward into 2021, we also got to realize this work is urgent. It's urgent. His work is urgent. In verse 35 of the text that we read... Uh, the Lord said, say not ye, right? So he's just instructing his disciples, and he's, he's Jesus. He knows what we're thinking. So before they even have a chance to say it, he just says it for them. He says, say not ye, there are four months, then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already, under, uh, already to harvest. He says, it's time to harvest. Now, you all around here, we understand harvest. Some of you really, I mean, Doug and others, man, they understand the harvest. They harvest thousands of acres. I mean, they, these guys farm. And when you're dealing with farming here in the Midwest, obviously we have seasons. We have four seasons, and we work around those seasons. Now, Jesus is asking these guys, who also, they're in an agri- agricultural environment. Uh, the world had been up until the 1880s, right? Everybody understood ag. And so, and so the, the, these, these, agricult- these people are attuned a, a, a to this issue of sowing and harvesting, the feast cycle rotated on that. Everyone understood it. Now Jesus says, okay, let me just say something. We're going off script. We're going off script. Don't wait till the harvest. We're not waiting till the fall. I'm telling you right now is the time to harvest. The spiritual work has to get done, and you don't have to wait. It's already ripe. It's in the field. Lift up your eyes and look at it. Look around and look around. Look at what's going on. Can you not see that now is the time to bring in the harvest? So Jesus is asking him to, 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 to look with spiritual eyes and understand this. So we cannot wait until we feel the conditions are ideal to preach the gospel, can we? When you think about the environment in which the, the disciples uh, were left, when Jesus Christ ascended to the third heaven, right? We know in Matthew 28, Lo, I'll be with you always, even till the end of the world. It's a really good thing, Jesus because the, the, he left his disciples in a very hostile environment. We saw when we went through the book of Acts, the church was planted amid the big P word, right? Persecution. But what is persecution? Remember, it's the miracle grow of the church. I mean, it really is. And so he left these disciples in a tough situation. He left them in a difficult place. Why? Because he, he wanted to see this thing grow. And he also wanted to prove his sufficiency. So we can't wait until we feel the conditions are ideal to preach the gospel. If we wait until the time is right, you may never share the good news of Christ with those who need to hear it. You know, Brian, I, I'm all with you, man. I am down with you in my mind, but I am scared in my emotions. I, am, I want to tell people about Jesus, but you know what? The, the reality is when I get over my fear of people, I will do that. Well, man, forget it. You ain't never going to do it. You think I'm up here preaching because I'm over my fear of people? No, I don't even like public speaking. I do that because Jesus called me to preach the gospel. Right? That's the deal. I can remember. God even actually highlighted this for me when I was a young man. I was in my early 20s. And, and I'm not kidding. I don't like public speaking. And so uh, I, had to, I, was, I had to go to this conference called Commons Conference. It was a big IBM conference. I don't even, I, what, I don't use, I, I, I don't even, I barely queried an IBM at that time, big mini main, or mini, a, a mini, what was it, a mini mainframe. 
I guess it's not a mainframe, it's a mini. But anyway, uh, so it's just, it's just, this is like Code People Conference. And somehow, our CFO of our company says, Hey, Brian, uh, I got you scheduled to pre- preach down at Bartle Hall, or preach, speak at Bartle Hall at this Commons Conference on, on computer drafting. And I'm like, What? I got to speak about drafting to a bunch of programmers on IBM mainframes? That makes absolutely no sense. But you know, it was interesting because it was the same exact week that I preached my first sermon at City Union Mission. And I was equally petrified. I was more petrified. But in both cases, I remember the, the, for like weeks in my stomach, I just had a, oh. I mean, every time I wake up, my nerves, I was just like, now, I was all good with like going out one-on-one, telling people about Jesus. I was good with going to the mission, letting someone else preach, and then I could talk to somebody about the gospel. I could, I could get through the gospel from any place in the Bible at that time. I mean, I'd been saved a while. I, I'd been discipled. I'd been through D2. Man, I'm, you know, I'm ready to lead people to Jesus. But now I've got to like, speak. And the uh, same thing happened. I remember Bruce Salapi looked at me and said, Hey, you're preaching next week. I'm like, Oh, man, I've got to get ready. And then Dwayne Dio, he's like, oh, yeah, you're speaking at Commons Conference. Oh, my goodness. Guys, I was petrified. I couldn't, I couldn't not speak at the Commons Conference. I mean, that was my job. I mean, what are you going to do? And then, uh, you know, the mission. The cool thing was, though, the Commons Conference, just I was, the whole time, I never got over my nervousness. I mean, it was just, it was, I was young. I was 21 years old. I'm with all these old people. About my age now, you know, and uh, <laughs> and I'm like, what am I going to say? And I just, you know, I I muddled through it. I don't even know what I said, how I did, but it was it scared me to death. But you know what was awesome when I got up to preach? A guy named Quincy got saved. I'll never forget Quincy. He literally ran down the aisle. He worked over at the, there used to be a store called Levitt's. He'd gotten drunk, kicked out of his house, ended up with the mission. I got up and preached about Jesus. Uh, washing the disciples' feet, and you need your feet washed, you need your soul washed, whatever. I don't remember all the outline I preached, but I preached. And, man, Quincy comes up, grabs me, and, man, he got saved that day. I'm like, woohoo! This is what preaching is like. I'm going to do this every week. And it was awesome. My point is simply this, though. If you wait till you're comfortable, you'll never do it. you got to be willing to get uncomfortable. You've got to be willing to put your, your, your life in a situation. And now, by the way, we give the disciples a lot of grief, but at least they followed Jesus to uncomfortable places, didn't they? And then they were learning from his example and going, oh, we're getting this. We're getting this. And they would keep noodling on it, wouldn't they? After Jesus resurrected, we see passages where they're like, oh, yeah, that's what Jesus meant by that. That's what he meant by the temple being torn down. And Oh, yeah, yeah, now we get it. The main thing is, of course, we talked about obedience. It's important. If you wait until the right, the right environment, the issue isn't how you feel. It's what does God feel about this? God says go. He doesn't really care how we feel. He didn't feel good to hang on the cross, but he did it because it's important to the Father. If Jesus, if Jesus would have waited until relations with the Samaritans thawed with the Jews, well, guess what? Nobody would have traveled there and nobody would have gotten... Uh, uh, information about the Messiah. Nobody would have understood who Jesus Christ was. No one would have spoke to the woman at the well, but Jesus did it. If we're not sowing the seed, beloved, the harvest isn't going to come. Jesus is, is it, well, Jesus is coaching his disciples on my point this morning, which is the urgency. The urgency of the gospel. We can come up with all kinds of excuses if our hearts not aligned with Christ. But when your heart is lined, aligned with Christ and his word, there's really no excuse, is there? Yeah, well, I'm scared. And God says, yeah, I know. I know, son, you're scared. Yeah, but I'm not as educated. I know, son, but I've called you. You know, just obey me. Fear not their faces. Just say what you're supposed to say. Now, I, not, God's not going to call you to stand at some place and preach to millions of people right away. He may never ask you to do that. But you should be willing to at least go to one person right away. I mean, if you've received the gospel, why wouldn't you give it to somebody else? 
If you've been discipled, why wouldn't you be contemplating discipling somebody else? Preparing yourself to teach the word to somebody else. We come up with all kinds of excuses when our heart's not right. You know, Proverbs twenty two thirteen says, The slothful man saith, There's a lion without. I shall be slain in the streets. If you wait till it's safe, well, you'll never go. You know, if, if we wait till the coast is clear, well, you'll never, you got to take risks. There is a lion without, by the way. Well, actually, he's a serpent. He just acts like a lion. But you serve the lion in the tribe of Judah. What are you scared of? So don't put, don't put off tomorrow until tomorrow what God commands us to do today. You know, we cannot afford to wait until COVID is over. Right? COVID has been a, a great opportunity for those who have used it to preach the gospel. Certainly it's serious, certainly it's real, certainly there's you know, over 300,000 people now who have perished. But in that, God has used that to stir people's hearts. During the lockdown, we had people viewing this church service that have never viewed it before. We have people following us now that never followed us before. We have people, we have children in our children's ministry that were never here before. Why? Because we don't wait till COVID's over to do what God's called us to do. We keep doing what we're called to do. Obviously, we modified this, we modify that, we, you know, we take all that into consideration. But at the end of the day, what are we going to do? We're going to do what God called us to do, which is assemble together on the first day of the week and preach the gospel, make disciples, and be prepared for his coming. We're going to finish his work. And what I want to encourage us to do more, what I want to put some coal in the fire this year to do, is put a little bit of urgency upon that. To understand, not, not that we've got to go out and, and manufacture urgency. The reality is the fields are already wide into harvest. What, I, what we need to be urgent about is not convincing anybody. The world knows that there's problems. The issue is there's not enough of us ready to give a solution. We've got the solution. His name is Jesus. So we've got to be urgent about getting that where it needs to go on time. HBF has grown through this year because, well, you've all have kept your hand to the plow. I want to commend you. Uh, not just the ones in the building, those that are online. You got guys like Gawain Arney. He's out, you guys don't know this. I, I don't want to rob his blessing. But throughout the week, he's out here working in the armory by himself in isolation uh, because, you know, that's his situation with his cancer and all of that. But he's, he's, he's out here working. I mean, this church, you guys are all about getting the work done. I can't believe how well we just had a, had a dinner Friday night, and I was just going over some of the things God accomplished in 2020 in the midst of all the COVID. I mean, Bible conferences, men's conferences, uh, people getting saved, most importantly, discipled, discipling through COVID lockdown, all the things that transpired. Why? Because you guys were urgent about continuing the business of God. And I just want to commend you for that. It wasn't easy. The sound booth was running on fumes, but now there's more people in the sound booth now than there was before we started. Amen. Yeah, and the children's ministry, man, we've taken an incredible hit in the children's ministry. It's been exceedingly difficult. We owe a lot to all the faithful folks that have served in the children's ministry since we've opened back up because they have burned themselves out taking care of our children. Praise God, though, it's starting to fill back in. I pray by the end of the year it gets all filled back in. Why? Because that's, that's important. It's important to the kingdom of God. It's important to what God's doing. And you know what? The type of people that get that taken care of are folks like you because you keep your hand on the plow. Virtual meetings were not ideal, but God used them to continue discipleship, to reach the lost, to encourage the saints who would come back later. So don't wait until you're older and wiser. Well, I'll, Brian, when I have more knowledge, I'll be ready. Man, that'll sink you because knowledge puffs up. Just go ahead and use the knowledge you have and then it'll become wisdom. Right? Go ahead with the knowledge you got. The woman at the well immediately, with no training, went off to share the news that she had met the Messiah. She didn't even need training. And you know how it is. When you're really excited about Jesus, you don't really need a lot of training. Your heart leads you. And you mess up, you bumble, you fumble, you mumble, you say stupid stuff. You know what? God uses it anyway. If you're like me, you drag people through Romans Road that don't even get saved because you're just too zealous. You offend your sister because you say stupid things from the Bible. I did all kinds of bad things when I got saved. But you know what? At least I did something. I'd rather have folks that are zealous making mistakes than folks that are just kind of waiting. Just kind of waiting around. I'm saved. I'm good. No thanks. Pass on. 
Man, the sooner we can learn that our salvation is not about us, the better. you you got to learn that. The sooner, the better. If you've been blessed with a million dollars, you better invest it. Otherwise, you'll lose it. You've been blessed with much more than a million dollars in Christ. You better, you better use it. You better use it. I was just driving in this morning thinking about, you know, just the attrition here. I mean, we've got, we've got folks, uh, you know, our brother Jim Boyette. Man, be praying for Jim and Ann. That's a tough situation. And I was thinking about Jim's situation. But, you know, I was thinking, you know, Jim's going to get a new body soon. And I just got to think about my situation. I'm like, yeah, that's true. I don't get, I don't get this body fixed until I lose it. So, you know, what are you going to spend your time doing as this body's decaying? It's going to decay, and it's going to go away. And then you get a new one. But what's the new one going to look like? How, how exceedingly magnificent is that new body going to be? Oh, it's going to be glorious. It's going to be like Jesus. Oh, is it? 1 Corinthians 15 talks about different magnitudes of glory. Oh, it'll be awesome no matter what. But I do think that we could get to the judgment seat of Christ and go, Oh, my goodness. I wish I'd have been more urgent. I wish I'd have been more urgent. I wish I'd have used that old decaying carcass with the riches of Christ in it to be a little more urgent for the kingdom of God. I wish I'd have taken the word of God seriously. I wish I would have been about the business of my father and doing his spiritual work. I wish I'd have fed my soul more than my flesh. I wish I had invested spiritual things instead of just physical things. I wish I would have been more focused on things above than the things of this earth. I wish I had to set my affections on things above because my heart was wrapped around things on this earth. I, I just wish, I wish, hey, well, let's, guess what? We're all still here. So don't get depressed because you're still living. You can make a decision today to do that very thing so that when you do get to the other side, you're going to have some awesome glory radiating out of that body of yours. That's okay, Brian. I just want to get saved yet. So as by fire. You know, Christ will, he'll get the job done. He really doesn't need us, but he does want us. He can get the, he will get the job done. He's going to get it done, but he really wants us to participate. So don't wait until you have enough money and your career's established. Man, I tell you what, you, you, <laughs> you and I, we've got to be careful. The education, the job. Now, when you're young, you've got to put some attention on that, and I get it. But I will tell you this, parents especially, listen to me carefully. Please don't encourage your children to worship those things over the Word of God. Man, there are some parents, probably even in this church, man, you're amen in every Sunday, but when the day comes and you're, you know, you're 18, you're 19, you're 20, 21-year-old, says, hey, you know what? Here am I. Send me. And I'm really serious. I'm ready to go. Wherever, whenever, however, God, just send me. And all of a sudden, the pastors are like, amen. You're like going, oh, no. You know, Johnny, you need to go. You got to get your degree first. You got to go do this first. You got to take care of that first. You need to go get married first. Honey, you need to do this first. You need to do that first. Now, I'm not saying that's that's not those aren't good things to do. But man, don't discourage obedience. Don't discourage obedience to the Lord first. Cuz heaven is not a fine career and a degree. Although there's nothing wrong with getting a degree and having a fine career. But I'm telling you, there needs to be some folks, there's, there better be some people that are fired up about doing what it is we're doing right here, right now. There better be some people that are really interested, and not old people, I'm talking young people, that God has a call on their life, and that God is calling them to engage in the mission full force. They're not going to waste one bit at the time with anything else other than preparing their life. If they get a degree in, in something, great, but that degree is for the kingdom of God. It's for God's opportunities to open up doors so they can get the gospel where it needs to go on time. Their job is about that. Their life is about that. Their marriage is about that. What am I talking about? I'm talking about what I'm doing right here. There needs to be people preaching the word of God that are wholly sold out to Jesus' agenda because there's other people sold out for the devils all over the place. Now, you don't have to be a pastor. I'm not even talking about that. You don't have to be a missionary. You can make that decision Right where you are right now. And I think a lot of you have. 
But in that, as people make those decisions individually, God will raise up people corporately out of the body of Christ, and they will go and they'll be sent. Like Brad went to Clinton. Like Dave went to Shiloh down in KCK. Like Harold went to Brazil. And all these other missionaries that we support. You know, we, I could go down the list. There's so many of them. I don't want to start. All the missionaries that we support, the ones that we've sent, the ones that we support. Man, I tell you what, that's what it's all about, beloved, is getting the gospel where it needs to go on time and getting it to the jail and getting it to life issues on Friday night and getting it to the children's ministry on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, and getting it wherever it is that God's called us to be, wherever it is that he calls us to go. So we've got to adjust our vision accordingly. We've got to make sure we have God's vision. It's great to be a doctor. It's great to be a lawyer, but use that for Christ. Adjust your vision accordingly. I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Jesus' counsel is only available to his disciples. Only the disciples are receiving this counsel. You'll not fully grasp what God is doing with his kingdom if you're not following him as a disciple. You know, my testimony is such that it took me a couple years to follow Christ as a disciple and grasp how important it is to make disciples. You can kind of, if you're around me much, you know, Tom, when he was on staff, he'd always, you could tell, I, I lean this way to evangelism, right? I'm a, I like to preach the gospel. I'm not going to get through a message without it. I just, because the gospel's done so much for me. So is the church, and so is disciple, being a disciple and following Christ. But if it wasn't meeting somebody after school, kneeling down on the floor and asking Christ to come into my heart, I'd be worthless. It's because of that moment when Jesus came into my heart. It just rocked me. It changed me. I've never been the same since. I lean that way. I like to tell people about their need for Christ and the power in just simply receiving the resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it took me a few years to kind of grasp discipleship. Even though I went through discipleship one, had a great disciple, discipler, Earl Cross, right? He, he walked me like a father, just brought me along. Great ministry environment in our old church. Uh, man, I mean, it was just incredible, and I was all caught up in that, and I, we were doing all the things that you, you need to do. I got married to Amy, and I've been saved a few years. Been through discipleship, too. Knew the difference between the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven, but I was still big time on evangelism, so much so that I put a map up, and I'm like, I want to preach the gospel here. I want to pe- preach like Billy Graham. I'm going to be the Billy Graham, man. I'm gonna... So I started actually recording where I'd preach the gospel. And you know what? The more I did that and the more the map kind of spread out, the more I looked at that, I said, man, this is futile. There's no way I'm going to have an impact like this because I'm not Billy Graham. And I don't even know how to be, want to be. I don't even know. I almost kind of gave up. That's when God was like, McFly, you know, wake up. You're in a discipleship church. You've discipled how many people already? Who, by the way, like Doug Howie, missionary in Romania, people like that. Big Bill Johnson. And you're, now you're over a ministry? I can even give you the dates. That would have been about 1992 when all this came, came to me finally. I'd been saved for five years. Been through all the classes. Hadn't quite gotten into shepherd school yet, but, and, which is our HBI. But I got to that place where I'm like, you know what? I do need to preach the gospel, but I also need to make disciples of which I was doing intuitively. I didn't even realize, really, the priority of what I was involved in. I was kind of like these disciples, just following Jesus. Oh, we're in Samaria now. I'm hungry. He's like, wait, you need to focus, grasshopper. (laughs) This is what we're about right now. These disciples didn't even know they were being discipled. They're just following Jesus. And so... I, again, it was, it was associated with City Union Mission. God handed over the, the, the uh, ministry that, to coordinate from Drew Shalapi to myself, and all of a sudden the weight of that fell on me, and I had all these slots I had to fill, all these guys coming back then. And, and God said, hey, Brian, I know you like to preach the gospel to these homeless guys and the ladies at the family life shelter, but really what I need you to start doing is investing in these men that are coming down here with you. I'm like, ding, 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 ding. Men like Mark Heckman, Randy Foster. You know, I could go down a long list. Brian Clark. 
all these relations, many of the relationships you still see that I have today, where were they formed? In ministry. Figuring out that discipleship isn't just about lessons, although those lessons are huge. The doctrine is important. The knowledge is preeminently important. But it's not just knowledge, it's also wisdom. And knowing that, you know what, you're really here to reproduce people, reproduce Christ in people. You don't want them to reproduce you. You want to reproduce Christ. That's, and if you, how's that going to happen? Well, if he's not dwelling richly in you, he's not going to dwell richly in anybody else. You got to make a decision that, you know what, this is pretty urgent stuff. I got to be a disciple maker. Some of you are ready to go that next level. It is not about just going out and preaching the gospel, though I want to get people fired up to do that. That ought to, really ought to be automatic if you're really born again. It just ought to be natural. But really, the, the work where you put the effort in isn't just making babies. You know, that's fun. It's when you have a baby and then you raise them up. Making babies ought to be the funnest thing we do around here. Let's go out and tell the gospel. Let's have fun. Let's sow the seed everywhere. Yahoo! That's great. But then when they get saved, what are we going to do with them? We're going to raise them up. We're going to work at having an environment, an environment that's conducive for growth. We're going to take the Lord's Supper seriously. We're going to take having relationships with one another seriously. We're not going to put off getting right with one another. We're going to be urgent about it. We're going to keep unity in the body of Christ. Why? Because we know the days are evil. We know what time it is. We know that our health affects the health of the community. It affects the health of this part of the country. It affects the health of this nation. It affects the health of the churches around the world. Beloved, there are people peering in on what we're doing right now, watching, taking notes, paying attention, following our example, for good or for bad. What kind of example are we setting? Jesus was setting a good example in Samaria. He's saying, hey guys, follow me. He said, I thought you were going to make us fishers of men. Jesus, this gal's a woman. Just wait. See how many men she brings. (laughs) She brings in a lot of men. He's teaching them how to fish for men. Sometimes it takes us some action. You know, this stuff doesn't always just come overnight. You got to be committed about the mission of God in your own life. God interrupts this story, this wonderful story about the woman going to Sychar to witness and share the insights that she, was, she, that she had received from Jesus Christ to talk about and to his disciples. It was just as important for his disciples to understand what was going on as it was for the woman at the well to receive Jesus as her Messiah and go to Sychar and share with all the men of the city that she had found the Christ. So if you're not following Jesus to uncomfortable places, you won't learn the lessons of his love or see the miracles of his grace. You're just going to miss them. And to our shame, we have places that we don't want to go, even within our own church. If you want to learn some lessons as a disciple, I would tell you this. Take on the challenge of feeding the lambs. Take on the challenge of feeding the lambs. Lift up your eyes and look on the field, b- fields because they are white already under harvest. He didn't just say the field, by the way. He said the fields. There's always more work to do than there are laborers. That's why Jesus said, pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. I'm praying that God's calling some people and he's calling them into ministry, that he's calling them into ministry to the lambs. I'd love to see the lambs classes filled up, not just so we have dots and everything ordered, but because that's, that's healthy. It's healthy to have enough workers that nobody's burdened to death, that we're not burning people out. It's healthy to have enough workers so that we have good structure. It's good, healthy to do all of that. Why? Because it's good for the kids. It's good for the church. But, you know, all, right now, all the churches are kind of struggling with that. I get it. That's the season we're in. I get it. But I'm praying that God continues to fill all that up as we go forward. And maybe he's calling someone in here to help with that. We have 200 members of our church that profess to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. What would happen if all 200 of us uh, trusted God right now today to just see one person saved in 2021? I mean, could you make a commitment even right now? Would anyone be bold enough to say, you know what, I'm going to trust God to lead one person to Christ this year. I mean, how hard is that? We've got people raising their hand already. Praise God. Amen. Yeah. I mean, man, we might have 20 people by this time next year. Praise God. But seriously, would you trust God to do that? Some of you will. Thank you for raising your hands. I appreciate that. But I'm actually asking you a serious question here uh, for those that are like, thinking about it like, man, I don't know. Why don't you know? Is it God's will? Is it God's will? It is. 
Do you really need to pray about it? No, you don't need to pray about it. I'm not asking you to pray about it. I'm not asking you if it's God's will. I'm asking you, if you're born again, can you trust God? Can you ask God to give you one soul to lead to Christ? Can you do that? And then we could pray, well, yeah, and and Lord, I pray that if they get saved, that they would follow you in believer's baptism. Could we ask God for that? By faith? Yeah, I mean, that's God's will. Okay, if we're not asking God for that, why aren't we? Well, I'll tell you why. Because it's not urgent. Okay, so let me go at this another direction. Can you look around your community and your family and people that you know, people you work with, people you go to school with? Can you identify anybody in your sphere of influence that needs Jesus as Lord and Savior? Their lives are wrecked. You like to complain about them. You like to look down on them because they're like the woman at the well. Is there anybody like that in your world? Because if there is, that's somebody right there you specifically could pray for. That God would give you the grace to go to a difficult place and have a difficult conversation. That doesn't mean they'll get saved, but at least you could show them the love of Christ. That you're not judging them, that you care about them, that you're willing to do what it takes to build a relationship with them. Not to condemn them to hell, but to find a way to get the gospel to them on time. Because you know what time it is, and the wrath of God is nigh. I'm just saying. If it's just preaching without application, guys, then what am I doing? What what are you doing? What are we doing? I'll tell you what we're doing. We're waiting to stand at the judgment seat of Christ with blood on our hands. And God forbid that's who we are. And you guys aren't those people, but I'm I'm just telling you, this is where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? I mean, at the end of the day, we gotta take the word of God and we gotta do something with it. You don't need a class, though we offer them. They're doing Way of the Master. You guys still doing Way of the Master? You're done with that. They're doing, they've done way of the master. We'll have more classes coming. We're working into our how to disciple on evangelism. We'll give you information on how to evangelize. We've got tracks in the corner. You've got a Bible, Romans Road. We'll teach you how to get through the gospel. We'll teach you all of that. But the main thing is make time in our lives. And I'm not saying this to you alone. I'm telling you, this, for, this is for me as a pastor. We have to make time in our lives to build friendships that turn a person to faith, that brings them into fellowship as a disciple. There has to be room in our life to make that happen. One of the decisions that we got to make, if we're really serious, I want to lead someone to Christ. I want to see someone follow him in obedience. I want to see someone uh, become a disciple. I, wanna, I maybe want to have someone follow me the way I've been following Christ. Well, guess what? You've got to make room in your life for that. You can't allow your life to be crowded up with everything but that. It becomes a priority in your life. That's what I'm living my life for. You can open up your Bible and take them from creation to Christ. You can use a five-column approach. I don't really care which methodology you want to use to get someone down, uh, get someone saved, but open up the Bible and share the Word of God with somebody and make sure that they understand the gospel, and then it's up to them to receive it, right? You don't want to drag people into the kingdom of God, but build a relationship. Spend time with people, and every so often, God will just bring you somebody. When you're ready like that, He'll just bring you someone that says, hey, what must I do to be saved? We've been exceedingly blessed at this church this last several months. People just coming through the door. Hey, hear a sermon or two. What must I do to be saved? Praise God. It's awesome. But we also need to be willing to make room in our life to build relationships so people can come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, so people can follow as a disciple. If you're not comfortable opening the Bible with someone, perhaps you need yourself to be discipled. You can go online even this morning. Maybe that's the decision. You're, you're like, man, I'm all about this discipleship or this evangelism stuff, Brian, but I, need to, I really need to know more. I, I get that. It, it's, you, can't, you can't give what you don't possess, right? Physical food doesn't take care of a spiritual meal. You've got to have some spiritual food. If you need that, that's what we do here. You can go online to discipleship. Go to our discipleship application. Put your information in. We will get you matched up. If you don't like that online stuff, get with myself, get with one of our pastors. They'll get you connected and directed. Get with somebody here you know is plugged into the Word of God. They will get you where you need to go. And organize your evangelical outreach. (laughs) Your activity needs to be centered around building relationships that lead people to Christ. If you're not doing that, then get with your family, get with your wife, get with your kids. Make it a priority. Understand it's urgent. I'm so thankful for, for the, my children. They open up doors to relationships I've never had. I know, I know who Taylor is because my daughter knows her sister. I think that's awesome. That's all God stuff. And so I'm so thankful. I was praying for you long before you got saved and your sister. So that's cool. 
Point C, see the field the way Jesus sees the field. He says, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already unto harvest. Jesus' counsel to the disciples is lift up our eyes and look on the fields. He didn't say look on the field, but look on the fields, plural. So this, ex, uh, this excursion into Samaria was just the beginning of the disciples learning the scope of their ministry. Before Jesus ascended, he taught his disciples to go make disciples of how many nations? All, right? This is, just the first, this is just the first step. He's just taking them next door to their half-breed neighbors, the, the Samaritans. And he's like, hey, guys, watch this. Little do they know that they're eventually going to be, he's going to just lay it all on and all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Now go ye therefore and teach all nations, plural. Look on the fields, plural. It's on you, man. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So we know what happens in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus ascends. Well, Jesus ascended, and he says, hey, wait here. Why? Because I made you a promise. I said, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the world. And I've given you this big mission to go to all nations and make disciples of all nations, teaching them all things whatsoever I've said to you. So hang on here. And at Pentecost, I'm going to drop the Holy Ghost on you. That's the invisible person of Christ, and he's going to dwell in you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And as he's given that, as he's, as he's getting ready to ascend, he, he drops that passage in Acts 1.8. And he says, but ye shall receive power, right? In Matthew 28, he says, all power is given unto me. Now I'm going to give it to you. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost, uttermost parts of the earth. And of course, you guys understand how that went. We went through the book of Acts. We talked about all that. Literally, that happened in that fashion. We get that. And we also, devotionally, we like to focus on our Jerusalem right here in the middle of Cass County and go out from there. We get all that. But HBF, at HBF, we also like to point out that as we accomplish God's mission, it needs to be done strategically, supernaturally, and simultaneously. They were starting right there in Samaria, but God was really preparing them to go to all the world all the time. And beloved, that's if you are looking for a church, by the way, that's the kind of church you want to be a part of. All the world, all the time. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. Not just once, not just one at a time, all the time. Obviously, you can't do it all, but you can do your part. And so God gives us a strategy. He says, you're going to need my power. It's got to be done supernaturally. And then the last thing he, that we see there is it's going to be done uh, simultaneously. So God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We, we quote 2 Peter 3, 9, and, and uh, I think it's pretty common for many of us. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, or not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And as we lift uh, 2 Peter 3, 9 out so much to speak about God's desire to see people saved, uh, from wrath, we, we often forget the promise referred to in Second Peter 3 is, is, uh, is God's coming judgment. <laughs> That's what he's, he's saying, guys, God's judgment's coming. And that helps our urgency. Second Peter 3, 9 is a great passage. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That passage is parked right in the middle of a verse of pending judgment. And, and beloved, that's why we're here. That's why it's urgent. If we, it would help our urgency if we grasp how limited our time is before the wrath of God will be poured out on this world. It's not only enough for us and our house to be saved. What about loving our neighbors as Jesus did? You remember in the Passover, Exodus chapter 12, that lamb, man, if there's, there's too much for you, share it with your, with your neighbor. He was willing to go to the, Jesus was willing to go to the uncomfortable places to speak to those who needed to know who he was. His neighbors, even though they were not exactly what the Jews wanted uh, to relate to. They were still their relatives. May we serve Christ as ambassadors of urgency as we see the day approaching. And lastly, I want to leave you with this challenge, to simply seize the opportunity. Jesus commanded the disciples to lift up their eyes and look on the fields, for they were, he said, white unto harvest. Jesus was obviously concerned about the time frame that he had to get the crop out of the field. He says, it's time right now. Don't wait four more months. Let's do it right now. Disciples must understand the urgency because of what we call open doors. You know what happens with open doors? 
they close. And you know, after they close, it's not as fertile. The heart of man is not as fertile. The election's going to, well, it's over, right? The new administration will come in. The tension's going to die down or it's going to ramp up. I don't know. Uh, but something's going to happen. COVID eventually will run its course. And I tell you what, if you wait until all that's over, you will have missed a huge opportunity to preach the gospel when you should have. Now is the time to focus on the real solutions of life, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in that, the, the Bible tells us in that passage there, in 1 Corinthians six nineteen, there's a passage that says, For a great door, Paul speaking, says, A great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. When there's open doors, there's also adversity. There's always challenges. Be ready for that. But you know what's cool about that word effectual? A great door and effectual. That, same, that word effectual is the same word used for power in Ephesians 4.12. It's only, that Greek word's only translated twice in the Bible. There in, in 1 Corinthians 16.9, and then again in Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Beloved, we have the power. We have it right here in the word of God. We have it in the spirit of God. But the door doesn't always remain open forever. God not only opens doors, but he also gives us the power to go through them. In Revelation 3, 7, the angel of the church of Philadelphia writes, These things saith the he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. God opened a door to those that were faithful, to his word. Let me ask you this morning, are you faithful? Am I faithful to God's word? That's really all we're talking about. Are we faithful to hear Jesus like the woman at the well? Are we faithful to follow Jesus like the disciples of Christ? Are we faithful like Jesus himself, a son that did the will of his father when called to do so and even go to uncomfortable places? If you're saying yes, 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 then praise God. You know what's going to happen with you? There's going to be doors that open that no man can shut. God's going to use you to, to get you say, man, I want to lead people to Christ. Well, if you got those things going on in your life, you're going to lead people to Christ because God wants people saved much more than we do. God wants people discipled much more than we do. It's his will. Disciples should pray for an open door if it's closed. In Colossians 4, 3, the apostle Paul says, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance. You don't kick doors down and you don't just blast the gospel at people that don't are, are not ready to hear it. Paul says, pray that the door opens. That requires discernment. Man, maybe we need some discernment. Maybe, we, maybe you've been disappointed because you haven't yet learned how to discern when to speak and when to be quiet. Sharing the gospel is not always just about speaking with your lips. You, sometimes you've got to speak with your life so that, and pray so God can open up a door. And so you, there's wisdom involved in this. I'll give you grace if you're young in the Lord and you're just, you're just clunky. That's okay. Keep after it. God will give you wisdom the hard way. But, man, one of the most important things we can do if we're really serious about, yeah, Lord, I'm, I, I want to see someone saved this year. I'm, I'm willing to trust you to use me to lead someone to Christ. Awesome. Then start praying. Lord, open up a door of utterance. Allow me to have a door so that it's, it's if, you, if you guys know what it's like to lead someone to Christ like this, sometimes God opens the door so wide. It's like the proverb of football, right? It's like a Mack truck. You take the ball and you're like waiting for someone to hit you and it's just wide open to the end zone. I mean, all you got to do is just go. Now, I think God would trust some of us if we just prayed. He'll open up doors like that for you. All you got to do is bring the gospel. And really at that point, it's on them. I mean, you just got to give them every opportunity to receive the gospel. You can't make anyone get saved, but man, God will open up doors. Pray, pray for doors of utterance that we can speak the mystery of Christ. Disciples must understand the urgency because not all Christians can even find the door. Beloved, today there's a lot of Christians that don't even know where the door is, let alone pray to see it opened. You guys know Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. The door's not shut because God doesn't want to open it. The door's not is shut because people don't know where he is. They're not looking in the word of God. They don't even have the word of God. They're looking in all the wrong places. They're, they're, they're distracted. They're somewhere else, but they're not focused on God's will and his word, and they're not praying for open doors, and they're not urgent about what God's urgent about, and they don't care about the Samaritans. All they care about is their rights. They don't care about anybody else's. 
and our rights are going to lead us to hell until we give them up and trust Jesus Christ and take on his righteousness. We'll not have an open door if we don't know where to find him. And John 10, 7 is very clear. He says, I am the door of the sheep. In John 10, 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be, uh, he shall be saved and shall go, out, or go in and out and find pasture. If we don't go through the door, we won't be able to lead others to the door. Maybe this morning somebody needs to come to the door. They need to come to Christ. They need to realize Jesus Christ is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. But beloved, if we've been there, we've been through the door, we've trusted Christ as Savior, we're saved, well, then our job now is to get other people to the door. Eventually, the men of Samaria would grow hard. This is a great story. It ends, I'll get to it more next week, but it ends with a whole herd of men coming to faith to come to hear the Messiah, but not all men would believe it. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus was also rejected in Samaria. Verse 51, it says, And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his disciples, James and John, saw. and when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit you are. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Beloved, not everybody that we want to reach is going to get reached. And you don't have to worry about their destruction. They're already slated for destruction. That's why we're trying to reach them. John, Jesus made that clear in John chapter 3 to, the, to Nicodemus. It's very clear. The issue is, are we going to go and, and give him every opportunity? Because that door will shut. And don't wait until it's too late. You know, in Luke 16, it was too late for the rich man. You remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? He gets to hell, and the rich man fared sumptuously every day, and Lazarus was begging out by his door like a dog, and at the end of the day, the... The rich man died, Lazarus dies, and you guys know the story. Go back and read it in Luke 16. And Man, he just wants a drop of water from, from Lazarus. Hey, Abraham, send Lazarus over. I, I just need a drop of water. He's like, sorry, man, can't do it. And so finally, he's like, man, I'm in torment. Hey, hey, Abraham, send somebody, send somebody back. Send somebody back to tell my brothers. Luke 16, 27, he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. People, listen to me. There are people we know right now, right now, people that we know that, that have more urgency about the gospel than we do, and they're in hell. People that I know, people I've met that have perished, and now they're in hell, and they're saying, Brian, would you just preach the gospel like you're supposed to? So nobody else ends up here. The biggest choir for preaching the gospel to making disciples are found in hell. They understand clearly. The time for them to understand is not when they get to hell, but now. Give them every opportunity to get out. Who do you know that's destined for hell? Would you get in the way and say, stop, wait a minute. Let me tell you something. I know Jesus. Can I show him to you? They may not believe in hell today. They may not believe in Jesus today, but they will. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. So don't do it, get discouraged. You give the gospel, and they're like, Hey, I don't care if Jesus rose from the dead. Hey, man, that's, that blood's on their hands. Give them every opportunity. They may change their mind. If they're still breathing, there's still a chance. It was too late for the people of Noah's day. Beloved, there comes a day when the door shuts. Genesis 7, verse 16, and when they went in, they, they went in male and female, all, the, all flesh, and God commanded him. And you know what the Bible says in Genesis 7, 16? It says, and the Lord shut him in the Lord shut him in 
you know, we're all like, man, Lord, I can't wait for the rapture. Can't wait for the rapture. Can't wait. You know, I can't either. It's a blessed hope. We should be looking forward to getting, getting out of here. I'm, I'm not against that. I really am. I'm not. I'm, but you know what? I, I kind of am. If, if I'm not doing what I should now, it's too late once I get caught up. I'm not going to be able to come back and go back in time and, and do it again. I'm going to be shut up. I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to be, I'll be in the third heaven while all the stuff and tribulation takes, takes its place. And when we do come back, we're coming back to execute judgment and justice. And, just, and it'll all be just and it'll all be right. But what I'm trying to tell you, beloved, is the only, you only get one chance right now to be an ambassador of peace. And this is it. This is the time to bring peace terms to this world. And, and man, I tell you, God needs as many ambassadors ready to go as possible. Many people willing to, to share the peace and the love of God. Because he wants to finish his work. His work is spiritual. His work is urgent. Next week, we'll talk about how it's eternal. But the things that we do today have eternal results. So understand what time it is. Adjust your vision accordingly. See the field the way Jesus does. And, see, and seize the opportunity. Because the work is urgent. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, for our decisions that we've made today in our seats. Lord, they would work their way out in our, from our hearts to our feet. Lord, I pray that the word of God would dwell in us richly in all wisdom. And Lord, I, I look forward to the day that you come. But in the meantime, Lord, may we be urgent. May we be busy about your business. May we not be distracted from the mission that you have given us. May we be solely focused on the most important thing to you. And that is, is what you have done to redeem man. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us this mission of making disciples. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would encourage us in growth, that we would continue to invest the word of God in other people, and that they would grow in grace and knowledge, and they would share that grace and that knowledge and that love with other people. Lord, I already know, I just spoke with one of our members having very hard conversations and difficult conversations with loved ones whose minds are held captive by the, the world and the philosophies of this world. Lord, I pray, God, you would give our members grace, that you would give your body opportunities, Lord, that we would have wisdom on how to approach people, that we would be able to see people saved, that we'd be able to make disciples of all nations, of all fields. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray we'd be committed to your will and not our own. We thank you and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. This morning, maybe you need Jesus as Savior. If that's you this morning, you're like, Brian, that's me, I need to be saved. You simply raise your hand right where you are right now. Maybe you've come in and and God's really convicted you, you really know, man, I do need to settle this. I am not settled. I need to settle this. Anyone at all? My left, the middle, right? All right, I, I, I'm going to trust. Maybe you're online. You can call us, 380-3033. You can email us, contact at hbfcast.org. Go to our website. You can find that too at hbfcast.org. We'll get back with you. We will connect you. We will give you information you need to know. Let's stand together in an attitude of prayer. I, I want to offer this for just a moment as we continue in an attitude of prayer. Maybe this mor morning in the quietness of this moment, as we contemplate the urgency of the hour, maybe there's some urgency in our heart. Maybe someone this morning says, Brian, I need to make a decision, and I need to come down here and lay my life down. God's calling me to do something. We'll do it. Without any music playing, without anything going on, you can do it right now. Put a stake down. Maybe this morning... Uh, you're saying, Brian, I need, to, I, need to, I need to get baptized. Well, hey, come on forward. We'll help you with that. Maybe you need to join this church. We'll help you with that. Maybe, maybe you just say, Brian, I need some prayer. Well, we can do that too. Anybody just say, Brian, I need some prayer? Amen. A lot of us do. Let's pray for one another right now. Heavenly Father, many of our hands are up. and we, we, I saw some hands go up earlier about sharing the gospel too. And Lord, I pray you would honor that commitment of those that raised their hands. There's probably at least 20 people that said, yes, I'll, I'll do it. There's probably more that in their heart they would say, yeah, Lord, I'll, I will do that. You know, why not? Lord, that's, that's your will. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would see that to fruition, maybe more than one, maybe two, maybe three. Lord, I pray above what we ask or even think. Lord, I pray, God, that you would just allow our willingness and our understanding of the urgency to, to permeate our hearts, that we wouldn't just shake off the message and go about our business, that we'd be a little messed up this morning over the urgency of the hour, or that we, we, we just can't look at the television or the social media the same because we know there's an urgency of the hour. Oh, Heavenly Father, captivate us with thoughts of, above, of what's above. Lord, help us to be consumed with who you are 
as we talked about last year, that wholeness and holiness. Let our lives be balanced. Let it be whole. Let us to be, let them be found in you. Oh, Heavenly Father, a lot of these things that we charge will naturally happen if we're just simply walking with you, if we're committed to that. Lord, I pray, God, for those with hands up. There's needs. There's people. Randy has shingles this morning. You know, brother, uh, Pastor Jim is dealing with his cancer. Lord, there are battles within and fears without. I pray, God, for your church. I pray, God, for your people, God, that you would just continue to build us and encourage us in your word. Thank you for decisions that have been made. Thank you for needs that will be met and are being met in Christ. And we thank you for your love for us and your, glo- and your glorious, incredible uh, will and your power and your love in our lives. We thank you and we praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for coming this morning. God bless you real good. Uh, if you're here and uh, you're wanting to give back to the Lord, we used to pass the plates. We don't do that any longer. Uh, we are um, uh, having them drop off at the boxes at the side of the door. Thank you for, for coming this morning. Uh, Steve's got a few announcements as we close. All right. Just uh